You're about to listen to an episode of Balaam's Ride with host John Martinoni, brought to you by the Bible Christian Society. For more information on all of the free apologetics and evangelization materials available from the Bible Christian Society, check out the various pages at our website, www.biblechristiansociety.com. And if you like what we have to offer, please prayerfully consider helping us to keep the show on the air by going to the Donations page on the website and making a tax-deductible contribution. Now, Balaam's Ride with your host, John Martinoni. Man, I love that music. Hey, folks, back again. This is John Martinoni, and you're listening to Balaam's Ride, the edge of Catholic radio here on WQOH AM 1480 in Birmingham and surrounding areas. Also online from wherever you are in the world at www.queenofheavenradio.com. Queenofheavenradio.com. And uh going to do a few different things today. Uh, I'm going to give a, a parental warning for the first segment here because we're going to be talking about same-sex issues, uh, particularly something that's going on in the news right now. I wanted to comment on and, and get into a, a little larger discussion of, of various same-sex marriage issues in particular, but uh, just same-sex issues in general. And uh, then we'll do some other things after that. So, uh, parents, just uh, be forewarned for maybe the first 15 minutes or so. If you have uh, small children listening, you might want to uh, have them leave the room. Or if you're in the car, you might just want to tune out for a little bit and then listen online to the podcast, which uh, uh, you can hear online uh, probably within a few days. It'll be posted there at Bible Christian Society. BibleChristianSociety.com. You just click on Balaam's Ride, and, and the podcast will be there, as are uh, most of the past podcasts. And, um, and if you want to be a part of the program today, if you have a question or comment you want to make, we can't take calls today, but we can take emails. Just shoot me an email, john at BibleChristianSociety.com. john at BibleChristianSociety.com. Now, uh, many of you may have seen in the news, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's because you haven't been watching the news the past few days, but Arizona, the Arizona legislature passed a law, uh, I guess uh, earlier, well, last week, that's waiting for Governor Jan Brewer to sign or to veto. And I think all reports are saying she's going to veto it. But the law basically said that you cannot... Uh, that a business can refuse to provide service to someone based on the religious beliefs of the people at the business. And this was done because I believe it was in Arizona where a uh, it was either a baker or a photographer. It's been a couple uh, things in a couple different states with uh, uh, this one, baker in one state, I think it was a photographer here in Arizona, that uh, was asked to um, photograph a wedding of a same-sex couple. 
and the photographer refused. He was taken to court, and apparently, at least to date, all the court cases have, have ruled against him, that his uh, religious freedom to refuse to participate in something that he feels is contrary to his faith, contrary to the laws of God, uh, is secondary to the quote-unquote right of this same-sex couple to have photographs of their wedding. Now, the obvious thing you think of is, well, there are plenty of other photographers who would be more than happy to photograph the wedding and have their business, and that's exactly right. Yet this one person is being punished because of his religious beliefs. So the Arizona legislature steps in, and they pass a law which they hope will alleviate this situation. But, unfortunately, uh, the law, in, in my opinion, was very poorly worded. Instead of saying you can refuse service, which automatically gets everyone uh, with the same-sex attraction up in arms because now they're saying, well, Starbucks could refuse to sell us coffee uh, because uh, we have uh, same-sex inclinations, because we're gay, lesbian, transgendered, bisexual, etc. The bank could refuse to do business with us, etc., which is not what the law was intending at all and which no one who really is serious about it, thinks would happen. But the way the law is written, you could uh, take that from it. What the law should have said is that no one can be forced to participate in any event that is contrary to their religious beliefs. That way, the onus is on, it's not that, hey, I'm refusing you. It's you're forcing me to participate. And so you get rid of the uh, public relations factor in that because now you have the same-sex folks, uh, again, the LG, lesbian, gay, transgendered, bisexual, whatever, all screaming, well, now every business in Arizona, if the governor passes or signs this law, can refuse business to us, can refuse our business. And what discrimination, how discriminatory is that? But if you turned around and said, well, the law states that you can't force them to participate in something that is against their religious beliefs, now they don't have the same PR coup that they've got with the way the law is currently worded. Then you've got a law that you probably could get passed and signed into law, that no one can be forced to participate in something that is contrary to their religious beliefs. So that has nothing to do with selling you coffee or, or, or changing the oil on your car or, or you know, accepting your bank, your money for a bank account or checking account or anything like that. So in my view, this law ought to be basically rejected and they ought to go back to the drawing board and come up with a new law that says uh, uh, the religious freedom law that again says no one... No business can be forced to participate. No person at any business or the business itself can be forced to participate in in any event which runs contrary to the religious beliefs of the business owner. And therefore, you have you've protected the religious freedom, but you've also prevented uh, uh, unnecessary and unwarranted discrimination against people of a certain class. So, and uh, getting into this whole thing about same-sex attraction, you know, a lot of times the Catholic Church is accused of being homophobic. Why? 
because we believe that same-sex relations or even the same-sex attraction is unnatural, that it's, it's a disordered attraction, uh, so says the catechism. And so just because we say that, well, we're, that means we're homophobic. That means we hate people, homosexuals, or, or, or you know, people of same-sex attraction. I, I tend to eschew the word homosexual because, in, in all honesty, people, no one is a homosexual person. You have persons with same-sex attractions. No one is a gay person. You have a person with a same-sex attraction. Uh, no one is a lesbian person. You have a person with a same-sex attraction. It is a disordered attraction, but it is not who they are as a person. It does not define them as a person, although a lot of folks try to make it that way. A lot of folks in the gay, quote, gay, lesbian, transgendered, etc. community try to uh, identify themselves as a gay person. But from the Catholic point of view and from just you know, nature, there is no such thing as a homosexual person. You have people, persons, with same-sex attractions. So, just because you believe that the attraction is disordered does not mean you hate the person. You believe the attraction is disordered. Just because you believe same-sex relations are contrary to the will of God that they are gravely sinful, that doesn't mean you may, you hate the person. Just as if you believe that uh, sex outside of marriage is gravely wrong. It's a grave moral disorder, a grave moral evil. It's contrary to the will of God. That doesn't mean you hate the person who engages in those relations. In fact, uh, the fact that you are willing to say to them, that this is disordered, that it's wrong, shows that you actually love those people. Because if you didn't care about them, you wouldn't care one way or the other. Hey, what if you know? If you believe that uh, uh, committing mortal sin is going to land this person in hell at the end of time, uh, then and you don't care, well, fine. Hey, I don't care what they do. Let them all go to hell. Well, that is, you know, that cannot be love. If you, if you allow someone to do something that you believe is wrong for them, is bad for them, whether it's bad for them spiritually, physically, so forth. And Catholics, you know, I, there's an article I read once, the number one reason the Catholic Church won't support same-sex marriage, not now, not ever, is, and I quote, uh, this is an article by Frank Weathers um, on the Pathios.com blog. The real reason is simple. The real reason the Catholic Church won't support same-sex marriage. The real reason is simple, and it's not based on bigotry. It's based 100% on love. The kind of love that only a mother has for her children. The Catholic Church loves those folks who have same-sex attractions. It loves those folks who engage in same-sex relations. It loves those folks who engage in sexual relations outside of marriage, even if they're heterosexual relations. If they're, uh, 
it loves folks who are engaged in adultery. It loves folks who are engaged in any kind of sin, and it loves them so much it wants to get them out of that sin and back into the good graces of God. And just think about this. Um, you know, and, and this is where, again, parental warning, and this is what I hate to have to bring up, really do, but this is something I think we Catholics need to bring up more often, at least in, in the personal conversations, one-on-one conversations, uh, if not on, on radio and television and various other forms of media, is that, think about that, is, ask a doctor, do you know of any doctor who would say that a same-sex sexual relationship between two men is healthy, that same-sex sexual relations are healthy? I mean, stop and think about what two men do. I mean, and this is what got the guy from uh, Duck Dynasty in trouble. He actually mentioned it. You know, he didn't say anything that was wrong in terms of uh, uh, how he discharacterized uh, same-sex uh, attractions and same-sex relationships. But the fact that he specifically stated what goes on in a same-sex relationship, why would a man prefer that rather than this? Um that got him in trouble. Why? Because they don't want you to think about that. Because just thinking about it is disgusting. I mean, I can't even say it on the air. Okay? I'm talking around and just this close to, to saying these things. It's disgusting. And people listening are going, oh, gosh, I don't, I don't even want to think about that, John. Stop. Exactly. Because you know that it is not healthy behavior. It is not behavior that is good physically for the persons engaged in it, much less spiritually. I mean, I've looked at all kinds of statistics. I've read something a few weeks ago where it says that um, teenage boys, men, teenage boys, you know, if a, if a male starts engaging in, in same-sex relationships in his teens— this particular study said that there was a one in two chance that by the time he is 29 years old, he will have contracted AIDS. 50% chance if you start same-sex, uh, men start same-sex relationships in their teens. 50-50 chance that they will be, uh, will contract AIDS by the time they're 29 years old. Uh Homosexual men, this is an article uh, from uh, LifeSite News. From Homosexual men are basically twice as likely than other men to have had cancer. Twice as likely. A 100% increase in the possibility of you having cancer from non-same-sex attracted men. 100% increase. Twice as likely, on average. And the cancers are diagnosed, on average, 10 years earlier. There is a 20 times the rate of anal cancer among same-sex attracted men as there is among men with normal attractions for women. 20 times. This is healthy behavior. This is what you... Want, think is love 
to allow someone to engage in risky behavior that can end up killing them, causing them and their families all sorts of pain, mental, physical, emotional, psychological, financial, as well as spiritual. This is love to say all of this is okay. Uh Uh-uh. It's love to ignore it. It's not love to ignore it. It's love to come in and say, this is wrong and it's hurting you. And that's why we as Catholics have to say these things and talk about these things. All right, we're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, more of Balaam's Ride with me, your host, John Martinoni, here on AM 1480 in Birmingham and worldwide on the web at queenofheavenradio.com. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us by emailing me at john at biblechristiansociety.com. john at biblechristiansociety.com. All right, we'll be back after this. This is Father Michael Deering, spiritual director to Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio. Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be questioning their faith. Let's say a prayer to the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant that by the gift of the same Spirit, we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good coffee and the farmers who grow it are under siege in Central America. Catholic Relief Services, the official international humanitarian agency of the Catholic community in the United States, giving hope to a world of need. This is Liz O'Neill with World Report from Catholic Relief Services. Behind every cup of coffee made from the world-famous Arabica coffee bean is a community of farmers and farm workers whose lives depend on this crop. But the coffee crop is sick with a fungus called rust. CRS is there helping farmers overcome the blight. Here's CRS's Daniel McQuillan. Central America is is one of the premier coffee producing regions of the world, and CRS has been working with coffee farmers in the region for about 15 years. Coffee plantations across the Central American region have been affected by a fungus called coffee rust. And what this fungus does is it, it causes the plant to drop its leaves and the plant is not able to mature the bean or mature the coffee fruit. CRS gives farmers the tools and training to survive future shocks. CRS's approach to, to coffee rust is twofold. One is, is to help the farmers recover their coffee plantations through improved soil management practices and introducing new, more resistant varieties. 
And the second is to introduce new income sources to farmers, such as different kinds of crops, things like beehives to produce honey, local vegetables that can be sold in surrounding markets. And the idea really is to help farmers be able to produce for their families so that they're, they're food secure, that they can put food on the table, really to put the families in a situation where they are more secure. Catholic Relief Services, giving hope to a world of need. Visit crs.org. And now, WQOH 1480 AM presents Walken Talkin' the Bible with actor Christopher Walken. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now the earth was a formless void. There was darkness over the deep with divine wind sweeping over the waters. God said, let there be light. Bam, wow, there was light. God saw that it was good and God divided light from the darkness. God called light day and darkness he called night. Evening and morning came the first day. Wow, so much accomplished in so little time. This has been Walkin' Talkin' the Bible. Tune in daily to listen to WQOH, 1480 AM. Mike Romano, the voice of Christopher Walken. Walkin' Talkin' the Bible. Absolutely love that spot. We need to get him to do more of those. Uh, okay, just this is John Martinoni, and you're listening to Balaam's Ride on 1480 AM in Birmingham and online at queenofheavenradio.com or on your mobile device uh, via the TuneIn radio app that you can find at our website, queenofheavenradio.com. You just download the app and then do a search on WQOH, and you'll find us. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can take us with you wherever you go. Uh, before getting back into our program, I want to make a little announcement about the uh, a meeting tonight. I know many of you uh, really love Father Angelus Shaughnessy, and he is here in town. He's going to be speaking tonight at Our Lady of Sorrows. He's sponsored by the Confraternity of Christian Mothers. And again, that's tonight at Our Lady of Sorrows Parish. It's it's February 26th, in case you're listening to us on podcast, you've, you've missed it, um, but for those listening live, tonight, February 26th at Our Lady of Sorrows Parish in Homewood on Oxmoor Road. Six o'clock, uh, you have confessions and adoration. Seven o'clock, the Mass. And then the retreat following with Father Angelus. So Father Angelus Shaughnessy again uh, uh, being brought to you by the Confraternity of Christian Mothers tonight at OLS beginning at six o'clock. You need to be there if at all possible. Okay, back to uh, <clears throat> what we were talking about, same-sex-related uh, issues, the law in Arizona, and, and you know that it's not homophobic to uh, decry same-sex relationships, to say it's wrong, to say it's uh, mortal sin, gravely evil, contrary to the uh, will of God and to the word of God. That's not being homophobic. That's being loving and charitable. It's, it's what they call tough love, but it's love nonetheless. To say that you don't care 
when you know these are actions that that hurt people physically, spiritually, etc., that's you know indifference. That that's it's not love to to just say oh whatever they want to do is fine. No, if it's something that hurts someone, whatever they want to do is not fine. And in a related issue, <clears throat> excuse me, wanted to touch on this. Uh, there was a um, Associated Press article back in November. Uh, Cardinal Dolan, and this was uh, Fox News reported that Cardinal Dolan, in an interview with David Gregory on Meet the Press, claims the church was outmarketed on the issue of quote unquote gay marriage. Uh, Cardinal Dolan discussed the church's positions opposing same sex marriage and abortion. He asked the cardinal, quote, Regardless of the church teachings, do you think this is evolving in such a way that it's ultimately going to be legal everywhere? Or will there be a backlash against gay marriage? And the cardinal responded, I think I'd be a Pollyanna to say that there doesn't seem to be a kind of stampede to do this, Dolan said. I regret that. Asked why the church is losing the argument on gay marriage, Dolan responded, well, I think maybe we've been outmarketed sometimes. We've been caricatured as being anti-gay. And I want to read a response uh, an article that was uh, written in response to Cardinal Dolan's comment that we've been outmarketed on the gay marriage or the same-sex marriage issue. And this is from uh, Coming Home, the December 1st, 2013 issue by Dr. Gerard M. Nadal. <clears throat> and the title of it, Responding to Cardinal Dolan, We Were Not Outmarketed on Gay Marriage, We Were Out-Evangelized. Here's what he has to say, and I'm just I'm just going to read this. It's a few paragraphs, but I think it's it's very worthwhile to to put in all of this. Fox News reports that Cardinal Dolan, in an interview with David Gregory of Meet the Press, claims the church was quote unquote outmarketed on the issue of gay marriage. Without knowing it, Cardinal Dolan has identified the core of the problem. Our leadership, with few exceptions, have adopted the superficiality of branding and marketing as a cheap substitute for the grittiness and tenacity of evangelization. Worse still, while we have abandoned evangelization and hewing to the hard line of the gospel, it is the other side who have been engaged in the grit and tenacity of evangelization. That's right. The other side has been engaged in three decades of evangelization, while the majority of our priests and bishops have endeavored to be, quote, non-confrontational, unquote, and non-judgmental. The results speak for themselves. While the church has been entirely kicked out of the public schools, with students being disciplined for wearing shirts bearing the word Christmas, the other side has succeeded in getting complete acceptance in schools with gay-slash-straight alliances, comprehensive sex education, and now state laws permitting transsexual and transgender students permission to use whatever bathrooms they please. That's not marketing. That's evangelization. The article goes on. Our leaders have stood by, largely mute, while we have been kicked out of the public square by a vocal minority who have moved in to occupy the ground formerly held by the church. That all begs the question as to how such a coup could have happened. In truth, more than 85% of married Catholics ignore the magisterium when it comes to the right use of sex and marriage and the use of contraception. 67% of Catholics approve of gay marriage. 
To say that those numbers are the result of marketing is to suggest that the gospel has roots shallower than grass. And on that matter, Pope Francis has spoken loud and clear. The truth is that there are a fair number of gay clergy. There are even a greater number who do not stand with the church on abortion, contraception, or the right use of sex and marriage. So these issues never get preached or taught, or when they do, it is the magisterium that gets pilloried. It wasn't a marketing issue that led to the disintegration of Western civilization. In the wake of Vatican II, our seminaries descended into chaos at every level, with some earning the moniker of Pink Palace, so notorious were they for their homosexual subcultures. Many of those seminarians were ordained. When Pope Benedict XVI was elected to the papacy, he undertook an apostolic visitation of our seminaries to address this problem, among others. Today, we see the fruits of that chaos from the 60s and 70s, even the 80s. And we see the fruits of non-evangelization on our part, even today, and the fruits of the other side's evangelization. Perhaps we could learn a lesson in evangelization from the other side, clergy and laity alike. We weren't out-marketed. We were out-evangelized. That's our great failure and our great shame. And I have to say that I pretty much uh, agree with Dr. Gerard Nadal that this is not a marketing issue and that our leadership, bishops, priests, have been way too non-confrontational. I mean, look at the other side on, on, on this issue um, of same-sex marriage, of, of sex education in the schools, of getting uh, same-sex education issues into the schools. Uh, they've been doing it through confrontation, confrontation after confrontation, lawsuit after lawsuit, protest after protest. What do we do? We sit there, and, and for the most part, he's right. Our bishops, our, our leadership, have not been courageous on this issue, on the abortion issue, on the contraception issue. Although they're getting it right more and more often on the abortion issue, but uh, as we see with uh, you know Obamacare, when that came out, well, here were the bishops who had basically said nothing on contraception since Humanae Vitae, or very little, a few of them have. vast majority don't mention it at all, and their priests don't mention it at all. And now all of a sudden they're raising cane because you're going to make us pay for contraceptive coverage? Well, there's a disconnect there. They have lost their moral authority in many instances with most Catholics, with the vast majority of Catholics, and definitely with the vast majority of non-Catholics. They used to hold a position of trust, a position where of, of respect with Catholics, that Catholics would say the bishops will stand up to this, the priest will stand up to this. And that's just not true anymore. For so many Catholics, uh, Orthodox or heterodox Catholics, for those who accept the church teaching uh, straight down the line, those who are cafeteria Catholics who pick and choose church teaching, um, there's a, a profound loss of respect for the the clergy and the the moral authority of the clergy and uh it's 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 tragic it's tragic for our church it's tragic for our country it's tragic for western civilization hopefully the bishops can do something to get that back 
but we're going to need bold, courageous leadership from our bishops, not just from one or two or three, but from the vast majority of them. And they're going to have to instill bold, courageous leadership attributes into their priest, and not just one, two, or three, but the vast majority of them in order to turn what what you know this this cesspool moral cesspool of a culture that we have back around and put it on track with God's will for our lives for our for our church for our families and for our culture all right if you want to be part of the program again uh, we can't take calls today but you can email me john j o h n at bible christian society dot com John at BibleChristianSociety.com with your question or comment. And this is John Martinoni, and you're listening to Balaam's Ride on 1480 AM in Birmingham or on the web at QueenOfHeavenRadio.com. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Father Michael Deering, Spiritual Director to Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio. Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be battling an addiction. Let's pray the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, football fans. Well, Alabama may have four-leaf clobbered my iris, but listen here. You know, every football season, people ask me the same old question. Coach, what can I do to be a better Catholic? Well, let me tell you something. If there's one thing I learned while coaching Notre Dame to a national championship, it's one thing. Charity. You gotta give of yourself. And one of the ways that you can do this is if you own a car, a boat, or any other vehicle, is to log online to queenofheavenradio.com or call 1-866-628-2277. Again, that's 1-866-628-2277. It's a lot easier than winning a national championship. It's a tax-deductible donation, and it helps keep your Catholic radio station on the air. Notre Dame or a pro nobis. We're here today to ask people about marriage. For starters, what's the best thing about being married? Who I get to stay married to. <laughs> Togetherness. To me, is having a companion. My favorite thing about being married is that I have a partner. Do you think your marriage is good for more than just the two of you? Uh, Can you just influence those around us. Yeah, I think. In a positive way? I think so. I would hope that people would see that uh, when we're together that we really have a very true affection for each other. What everybody wants, and we know we're lucky to have it. The energy we give out in our home, I think, spreads out to other people. Your marriage just continues to go on and on and on. Oh, sure, and it affects generations after us. I think it really sort of stabilizes your whole community. It's a cornerstone of 
a society, right? Sounds like a good marriage goes a long way. It touches a lot of people. Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. We're back. You're listening to Balaam's Ride, The Edge of Catholic Radio. I'm John Martinoni, your host, here with you every Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 Eastern. And that would be 9 a.m. Pacific Time, if you're listening live uh, at uh, queenofheavenradio.com. Um, we've been talking about... Same-sex issues, the the law in Arizona uh, that's uh, passed by the legislature but will probably be vetoed by Governor Jan Brewer, and then just in general about uh, uh, you know Cardinal Dolan's remarks about we've been outmarketed, the church has been outmarketed on the issue of gay marriage, and the the response that I read about no, we haven't been outmarketed, we've been out evangelized, and I have to in general agree. With that sentiment, uh, we're not doing the things as a church that uh, we're called to do. We're not being bold. We're not stepping out in faith. Uh, and we need to be confrontational, not directly, not, not seeking confrontation, but we can't avoid it either if that's what happens when we speak out with the truth. And so many times, uh, people, the clergy, laity, uh, if it's going to be something that's going to cause a confrontation, oh no, we, we better not do that. We can't hurt someone's feelings by evangelizing. We can't hurt someone's feelings by telling them that they don't have the fullness of the truth. We can't hurt someone's feelings by telling them that um, having relations with a person of the same sex is a mortal sin that it will get you sent to hell. Uh, we can't tell them that because that will hurt their feelings. We can't be bold, or they might get mad at us. And we can't have that. We can't have anybody mad at, at, at the church, at, at our bishop, at our priest, at, at uh, you know other members of the, of the Catholic Church, the lay members. Can't have that. So we're not bold. We, we've kind of withdrawn into our castle, pulled the drawbridge up, and said, hey, just... You guys, uh, you don't bother us, and, and we won't bother you. And we just can't have that. All right, switching gears here a little bit. Let's talk uh, some apologetics so that people, if they, you are going out and evangelizing, talking about your faith, uh, a little ammunition to, uh, to help you out in that endeavor. Um, I want to talk about this doctrine that, Many in the Protestant world, not all, there are very few, and that's one thing you need to realize as a Catholic, if you're evangelizing folks and they're non-Catholic Christians, if they're Protestant Christians, and by Protestant I'm talking about uh, your your Methodist, uh, um, Presbyterians, Lutherans, the Episcopalians, Anglicans, Evangelicals, Baptists, Church of Christ, Church of God, the Pentecostals, the non-denominationals, all of them trace their spiritual heritage back to the founders of Protestantism. 
And, and so I just call them all Protestant in, in essence just to save time if for no other reason because Baptists don't like being called Protestant. Church of Christ don't like being called Protestant. But again, their spiritual heritage is the uh, the founders of Protestantism, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Zwingli, and so forth. So uh, not trying to offend anyone, but trying to save time. Uh, so if you're talking to a Protestant, there are very few, if any, doctrines that you can say is a universal Protestant doctrine. Uh, other than possibly, I think number one is, is sola scriptura. They go, they view the Bible as the ultimate authority, many as the absolute sole authority in all matters pertaining to Christian faith and morals. So this particular doctrine that I want to talk about, the, the doctrine of eternal security, it's also known as once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Once you've been saved, once you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, and boom, Jesus said, he's saved, that's it. You can't be unsaved, no matter what you do, no matter what you don't do. As long as you're saved that one time, that's it. Your train ticket to heaven has been punched, and there is nothing that can derail that train, according to this particular teaching, this particular doctrine. But again, that is not a universal Protestant doctrine. So it's among many Baptists, although the free will Baptists believe that, hey, you can you can go ahead and sin, you can lose your salvation. Um, it's among many of the evangelicals, most pretty much every evangelical I've ever met, the non-denominationalist and, and so on, uh, Methodist, Presbyterians, the, the Anglicans, the Lutherans, not so much, although some of them have indeed bought into it as well. But once saved, always saved. Again, this is where, hey, I've accepted Jesus in my heart as my personal Lord and Savior, uh, and therefore nothing can touch me because God now doesn't see me and my sins. All he sees is Jesus and what Jesus did for me on the cross, so... I'm good to go. Now, you can go out and... Uh, now, you won't, of course, if you love Jesus, is the the thinking on this. But you can go out, and once you've accepted Jesus, you could commit murder, uh, rape, theft, steal from your employee, uh, from your employers, uh, you know, cheat on your wife or your husband. You can do all sorts of things, and you're still saved. Well, does that make any sense whatsoever? You know, I'm going to talk about some uh, Bible verses here momentarily, but before I get into that, I just want, there's a common sense way to approach this with people because every single person I've ever met who believes in once saved, always saved, believes in this doctrine of eternal security, believes that there are folks out there who think they're saved, but they really aren't. Okay, so think about that for a second. If you believe in once saved, always saved, you also believe that there are people out there who think they're saved, but they really aren't. So what you do, you ask somebody when they say yes, once I, you know, you find out that, hey, they believe in eternal security or once saved, always saved. You ask them a question, say, are you saved? And they'll say, well, yes, of course I am. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior at an altar call on, uh, you know, at 
6.30 p.m. on October 2nd, 1983, and I'm saved and always will be saved. Say, okay, you're saved. Do you believe that there are people out there who think they're saved, but they really aren't? And they will probably, uh, again, without exception in my case of people I've asked, and I've asked a lot, they'll say, yes, I believe there are people out there who think they're saved, but they really aren't. So you look at them again, look straight into their eyes and say, well, then are you saved? They'll say, well, of course I am. You say, well, if I ask somebody who thought they were saved but really weren't that question, wouldn't they tell me the exact same thing you just did? And they'll think about it. Well, yeah, I guess so. So how do you know that you're really saved? Well, I just know I am. I know it in my heart. Well, wouldn't somebody who thinks they're saved but really aren't saved say the same thing? Well, I, I, I guess maybe they would. So are you saved? Well, yes, of course I'm saved. And you just look at them and say, well, if every answer you give me is the same answer I would get from someone who thinks they're saved but really aren't, how can you ever know that you're not one of those people? Well, I just know. How can you be sure? If there is the possibility of thinking you're saved but not really being saved, then there is no such thing as eternal security. I mean, that's just from a common sense position. You don't have to memorize any Bible verses or anything on that one. If there is any possibility of someone thinking they're saved, but they're not really saved, which every once saved, always saved person believes, as far as I can tell, then they can't really be eternally secure because they could be one of those people. Hit them with that. See what they say. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, I'm going to give you some Bible verses on this doctrine of once saved, always saved. And uh, that'll wrap up the program for today. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Hope you'll stay with us. This is John Martinoni. You're listening to Balaam's Ride on 1480 AM in Birmingham, Queen of Heaven Radio, and online at queenofheavenradio.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Michael Deering, spiritual director to Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio. Let's take a moment to pray for those who may be suffering hardship in the current economy. Let's pray the Our Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you know that the license tag on your car could save a life? Purchase a Choose Life tag for your car and help a local crisis pregnancy center in your county. By purchasing a Choose Life tag, you not only will have a rolling billboard on your car that promotes life, but 100% of the funds help your local pregnancy center provide free services to those women facing a crisis pregnancy. So get your Choose Life license tag and join thousands of others who are promoting life in our state. For more information, go to ChooseLifeAlabama.org. And thank you for choosing life. 
This is Father Leo, and you know I love to cook. Another thing I love is Lent. Lent is a gift to all of us. It's a time to get our spiritual life back on track. This year, I'm praying and cooking simple meals from CRS Rice Bowl. You can too at crsricebowl.org. The recipes will help you put Lent at the center of your family's dinner table. You'll also find prayers, stories, and activities for all ages. You'll even find me cooking a new dish each week of Lent. crsricebowl.org. If you have a car, truck, or some other vehicle that you don't want anymore, but you still think it's worth something, why not donate it to WQOH, Queen of Heaven Radio. We accept most vehicles from cars to boats to motorcycles and turn the gift into support for all the great Catholic programming you love. And it's a great tax write-off, too. Just log online to queenofheavenradio.com for more details or call 1-866-628-2277. Donate today. Frankie's Market Cafe, 4257 Highway 52 in Helena, your home for home-cooked meats and signature veggies. Fresh fried catfish, beef tips over rice, squash casserole, and fried green tomatoes, just to name a few. Also featuring deli sandwiches, catering, southern fried pies made daily, private label jams and jellies, and local honey. Also a fresh produce department from local growers. Frankie's Market Cafe, 4257 Highway 52, Helena. All right, we're back for the home stretch. Uh, just want to mention, got a uh, an email from Jerry in uh, Missouri City, Texas. He says, uh, good topic. I've always thought that bishops have not done their job in speaking out at the pulpit about societal ills. I was frustrated that they did not tell congregations not to vote for Obama, then asking us to write to our officials to oppose the HHS mandate After their silence, Obama was never pro-life. It was above his pay grade. My associate pastor says he won't talk about an issue unless it pertains to the readings. I accept it, but I think it's a little short-sighted. Our young ones need to hear it from the church. Thanks for your ministry. Again, Jerry in Missouri City, Texas. Jerry, thanks for your email. And uh, the pastor's right. It uh, does need to pertain to the readings, but you can make a lot of things that are going on in society today pertain that pertain to the readings or the readings pertain to them actually uh, and and not just you don't have to stretch very far to make the readings uh pertinent to what's going on in uh society today you don't have to stretch at all as a matter of fact so good email jerry thank you all right a few uh scripture verses on this topic of once saved always saved i want to start in romans well no let me start in uh Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Colossians 1, 21 to 23. And you who once were estranged, he's talking to Gentiles here, Paul is, and you who once were estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, Christ, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven. There's a proviso in there. 
in order to be prevented holy and blameless and irreproachable before Christ, you have to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the gospel. Because if you don't continue in the faith, even if you have accepted Christ, so in other words, he, they're in the faith, but there's a possibility of them not continuing in the faith. Well, if once saved, always saved is true. Is true. That's not possible. You can't be in the faith and then lose the faith. You can't be on your way to being holy and irre- presented as being holy and irreproachable before Christ and then fall away from that and not be presented as holy and irreproachable before Christ and blameless. It's not possible under once saved, always saved. So this once saved, always saved completely contradicts this passage here. Now I want to talk about in Romans chapter 13. Let me get to that real quick. Uh, Corinthians, this, this Bible's falling apart. I'm going to have to, a lot of tape and everything, put it back together. Okay, Romans chapter 13. It says, um, oh, that's 14. Chapter 13, verse 17 and following. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, and some of this talking about the Jews here, and then he's, he's speaking to the Gentiles. But if some of the branches, the Jews, were broken off, and you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in their place to share the richness of the olive tree, which is Christ, do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. You will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For, and this is the the money verse, verse 21 of Romans 13. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews, neither will he spare you, the Gentile believers, the Christians. These are believers now. People have faith, who've accepted Jesus into their hearts as their personal Lord and Savior. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even the others, if they do not persist in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. Once saved, always saved. Not happening here. Paul, a threat to the believers, to Christians, people who have the faith, who've accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts, that if they don't continue in God's kindness, they too will be cut off from Christ. Can you be saved if you've been cut off from Christ? No, you cannot. Other verses, Philippians 2.12. This is a good one. Um, Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, if you've got eternal security, what's all this fear and trembling going on? Huh? You don't need any fear and trembling. You're, you're saved. You're secure. It's an eternal security. Uh, uh-uh. uh, not so fast. Um, Let me uh, go to Hebrews now. Hebrews 6. 
verses, uh, oh, the first few verses. Let's, let me start in verse 4. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they then commit apostasy, since they crucify the Son of God on their own account and hold him up to contempt. Who is he talking about here? It's impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened. Okay, they've heard the word of God. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. They've obviously accepted the word of God and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Well, they're obviously believers. They've obviously accepted Christ into their hearts as their personal Lord and Savior because otherwise you cannot be considered a partaker of of, of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you could never say this about an unbeliever that he uh, has partaken of the of the heaven. He's tasted the heavenly gift. He's partaken of the Holy Spirit. He's tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age have come. That could never be said about an unbeliever. So this is talking about a believer here. But what's it say? Basically, says you can't restore them to repentance if they then commit apostasy. In other words, if they then deny God. Well, according to once saved, always saved. According to the doctrine of eternal security, you can't deny God. You can't commit apostasy after you've been saved. It just can't happen. It just won't happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 to 6. Here we have again. Uh, examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Well, right there, there's the suggestion of the possibility that you've accepted, you know, he's talking to Christians, to the Corinthians. They've accepted the faith. They're, they're, they're members of the body of Christ. Examine yourselves to see whether you're holding to your faith, as if there's a possibility you might not be holding to your faith. Well, that's not possible with once saved, always saved is true. Paul goes on to say, test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you indeed fail to meet the test? I hope you will find out that we have not failed. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Well, how could they fail to meet the test if they're Christians? If they're saved, once saved, always saved. If they've accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts as their personal Lord and Savior, how could they fail to meet the test? One last verse, and this is one of my favorites. It's from John chapter 15, Jesus speaking at the Last Supper. What does he say? The first few verses. He's the vine, uh, Father's the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, the Father takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, verse 6. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Well, you can't be a branch of the vine, which is Christ, unless you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But here it says if you don't produce good fruit after you become a branch, you get cut off 
you wither and are thrown into the fire and burned. Once saved, always saved? I don't think so. I'm out of here. God bless. Have a great week. This is John Martinoni, and you've been listening to Balaam's Ride on Queen of Heaven Radio, 1480 in Birmingham. You've been listening to Balaam's Ride with host John Martinoni. Remember to check out the other podcasts of Balaam's Ride and all of the free audio and written apologetics materials available at www.biblechristiansociety.com. And if you can support us with even a small donation to help us keep offering all of these free materials, simply click on the donations page at the website. Your gift is greatly appreciated. God bless.